What is up? What is up? Look, we're going to have an incredible episode that's going to go down. David Meerman Scott, my friend, is going to be joining us in just a few moments. But in this episode, you're going to be introduced to a marketing strategist, an entrepreneur, an investor, somebody who helps emerging companies get to their next level. And he's also a multiple best-selling author. We're going to be talking about books and um, and, you know, I just went through this process with releasing my book. So I'm interested in what David's done and his success. But I also want you to, as we're having this conversation, spend a few moments thinking about where you are and your next big breakthrough, because I'm going to unpack David's breakthrough moments in his career. And that'll all happen in just a few moments. This podcast is brought to you by the Wirebuzz team. Now, if that name sounds familiar, it's because I've spent the past decade growing Wirebuzz into a digital marketing powerhouse designed to maximize clarity in complex sales processes so we can help accelerate revenue. And we do this in three phases. Phase one, we transform your website to function like your best salesperson and then also incorporate persuasive on-demand sales videos. Now your entire team is aligned on messaging and they're injecting massive clarity into your prospect's head. So your site looks great, but it also has engaging content that helps your team sell on demand 24 seven. The next phase, phase two, we train your sales and marketing teams to sell remotely or in person to expand the impact of your sales team. And the third phase is we develop and run targeted ads to your prospects, scale those ads to help you achieve more business results. Sign up for the Wirebuzz Company newsletter to learn more about effective and simple ways to improve your company messaging, attract more digital attention, and ultimately make more sales. All right. So thank you so much. This is going to be a fun episode. My buddy, David Meerman Scott is with me. David is a marketing strategist. He's an entrepreneur and investor. He's an advisor to emerging companies and a best-selling author of a dozen books like fanocracy and the new rules of marketing and PR. David, thanks for joining me on the podcast. Hey, Todd, how are we doing? Also, marketing lessons from the Grateful Dead. And the reason I say that is because as we're recording this, I'm in the middle of five Grateful Dead concerts in the space of a week. So um, if I'm looking a little bit tired, it's because um, I've been partying a lot recently. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't doubt it. So by the way, in the... Uh, um, in the new ESPN documentary, the 30 for 30 about Bill Walton's life. Yeah. He, yeah. There's a lot of Grateful Dead moments and interviews and footage yeah. that I think you might enjoy. Uh, well, Bill's a good buddy. Um, I'm good friends with Bill and his wife, Lori. Um, Bill actually wrote the forward to my book, Marketing Lessons from the Grateful Dead. Lori and I are on a board of directors of an organization called Grateful Dead, uh, Grateful Guitars. So, um, yeah, fabulous guy. Um, interesting life. Um, so, yeah, thanks for that, Todd. So let me take people to where I first, the first time I spoke with you, because it's a cute story. And now yeah. you're a colleague of mine, but... I was at the National Speakers Association. It is the other NSA, in case you're wondering. And <laughs> the there other were 2,500 people in the audience. And um, David steps on stage and he's talking about newsjacking, one of his dozen best selling books. And 
uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a former news guy, so I knew about news jockeying and I'm a marketer. And, um, and so David then humbly sat back down in the crowd after he crushed it. And I happened to see him sit down. So I slipped him a note and about three hours later, I'm entering, interviewing David right there in Dallas. And then I go on to, um, join Business Mastery, and David's the first person I talk to that helps coach me so when I step out there, I'm able to shine. David, is it true that Tony Robbins found you from reading one of your books? Yeah, it is, actually. Um, and it was about a decade ago. He read um, The New Roles of Marketing and PR, and at that time, Business Mastery was, was brand new. They had just started Business Mastery. They were looking for a marketing speaker. They had had several other marketing speakers speak at other iterations of Business Mastery, and for whatever reason, they didn't work out. So they, uh, Tony invited me to speak. Um, and um, as you know, Todd, that is a big stage, and that was be, that was pre-COVID, so it was um, uh, you know a live audience, 2,500 people, and um, you know Tony is the master of lights and sound, and everything is big, and the stage is big, and the and the volume is huge and people are up and dancing. And I'm like, oh, what the heck did I get myself into? Fortunately, I, ha I had arrived the day before. So I completely threw away the speech I was planning to give and rewrote it um, for the Tony Robbins audience. And boy, am I glad I did. Um, but yeah, it was it was great. And it, and it was because he read one of my books. And I can't say enough about the importance for, for not for everybody, but for some people, and I know you're now going down this journey as well, Todd, of, yeah. of having a book, having that, um, that document that serves as fabu a fabulous way to do your marketing. Um, there is nothing better, I think, than, than having a business book for those people for whom it makes sense. And who does it make sense for? CEO of an entrepreneurial company. So anybody who wants to do their own thing as an expert. Um, if you want to hit the speaking stage, if you want to make money in consulting, all of those things, business books, great idea. So I just dropped, and David, you know this, but for those that don't, I just dropped Accelerating Yes. Which Congratulations, my friend. That's awesome. Thank you, brother. And, and it was great because we hit the number one bestseller in both marketing and sales, two of my categories, and number two Excellent. on the Wall Street Journal list. But what's so Oh, you're number two in the journal. That's, that's well done. That's, that's, that's big. Thank you. The thing that was big for me is I got to knock Prince Harry off the list. <laughs> I didn't know any of the other names above me, so when I knocked him, he kind of had it coming. And then um, that's so that's guys, fun, isn't it? I think I think it's super fun. I remember um, this only happened to me once, and and, and it will never happen again um, uh, because the algorithm is really wiggy now. But for one hour. <laughs> one of my books was number one on Amazon of all of Amazon, the entire Amazon. I was number one for one hour and it was a weird time. It was like Sunday night at like midnight kind of thing. And I did a, got a screenshot. I'm number one. And they're like four Harry Potter books or three, four, five. Um, it was unbelievably gratifying, but it was just an hour. <laughs> That's super cool. So you guys should know that, um, when we do Tony Robbins events, David and I will be put up in a speaker hotel and I'll run into David in the lobby. Like he'll be done with his morning workout. Both of us will be in our gym yeah. clothes. And then two hours- Looking really, really grungy and yeah. sweaty. And <laughs> yeah. Two hours will go by. Like I go outside, 
by the pool and I'm going to do my, you know, post lifting stretch and David's doing his yoga or he's got his moment in the sun where he's absorbing his vitamin D for the day. And then two hours go by because the two of us just stood there and nerded out. And it's so great. And then we take like a selfie photo together. And neither of us yeah. want anybody to see how um, disgusting we look at that moment. <laughs> But it's always fun, David, to run into you. I'm uh, incredibly grateful for the mentorship that you've given me to get me comfortable. What was it like? Like, how does, how do you prepare your, like you've spoken in like, I don't know, I'm guessing, like I think I read on your website, like 40 countries or something. Yeah, and, I think it's 40, 47 now. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. How do you get yourself, you know, a lot of people deal with the fear of audiences being yeah. large. But you and I have both gotten our sea legs with large audiences, which tells me that you've mastered something. Do you entertain the number of people out there? Does it matter? To I, you? I think to me, the larger the audience, the easier it is for me. I, I actually think it's I think it's easier to present to, say, 5000 people than it is to present to five. <laughs> um, uh, and I don't know. I don't I because to me, um, I've done this so many times, you know, over 500 speeches in the last 20 years, um, a big, big audience is to me is performance art and I can do my thing. It's performance art. But with five people, it becomes a conversation. It's a little, I mean, I'm still, I can still do it, but it's, it's just a little bit different. So how do I prepare? The first thing is I need to know my stuff cold. Yeah. And so I rehearse, rehearse, practice, practice. And every single talk I give, um, the core of my talk is similar from audience to audience, but I always, always customize based on who the audience is. So if it's a business to business versus a consumer um, kind of audience, if it's in uh, the UK or Australia or Saudi Arabia or, you know, you name the country, I try to target it um, towards the country. The industry that I'm, the people are from, if I'm speaking to, I try to target it to them. Um, if there is an age demographic, you know, for example, I sometimes speak to college students, I try to tailor it that way too. So the more I rehearse and the more I customize, the more comfortable I feel. Um, and, um, and I really, really work on the performance aspect. And you and I have talked about a number of things around that over the, over the years, and you've done a, a great job at your Tony Robbins performance. Um, and it's improved over the last couple of years, Todd, I must say. Um, but, but those, those are the things I do. I also, um, uh, I have like a three hour, four hour, um, pre-talk routine, which is kind of ridiculous, but you know, I, I do my yoga, I, your warm up. It's my thing. Ready. Yeah. It's, it's my thing. And you, you know, I, I do my yoga. I check my slides. I make sure the technology is working. I go to the venue early, soak up the crowd. If, if I'm not speaking first thing in the morning, um, if I am speaking first thing in the morning, I go the night before, soak up the crowd, get a sense for the audience, get a sense for the room. Uh, and, um, and make sure that my mind and my body and my, um, 
technology are all ready to go so that I don't think about any of those things. I don't think, oh, you know, my knee hurts or, oh my gosh, I hope that my video plays. You know, none of that. It's given. It will work. It will play. And there, if it doesn't, there's a backup <laughs> um, because then I can focus on the topic and the content and the delivery. Yeah, I love that. Like when you were talking, I really heard Tony Robbins and I heard him say that you're rewarded in public for what you intensely practice and refine in private. Ooh, I and love that. That's such a great, great way to think about it. It's yeah. a Tony quote, right? So it's one of these that I think about because when I'm in the hotel room working my <laughs> material and getting into repetition, which he says is the mother of skill, it allows me to, when I step out there, feel like I've done this a thousand times before right. because right. I already have. And right. it you know, allows me to come out. It's funny, you know, you and I have a lot of mutual friends on the Tony staff, but one of them that you'll, um, we both uh, love and adore is our friend Cello. And I said, yeah, Cello is amazing. So I, 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 I said um, something about the dancing because at a Tony event, it's different, right? Like you're on stage dancing. And I don't know mm -hmm. a lot of people that are comfortable dancing in front of 5,000 people. But I'm it's not. Right? <laughs> it's a whole different mindset. So I said to Cello, I was like, I said, you know, and, and I'm kind of dancing. I'm jumping up and down like this. And he goes, well, listen to the music and you'll um, know if it's a fast song, what you should be doing, you know, compared to a slower song and just adjust your dance. And I'm like, I said to him, I'm like, dude, who's listening to the music? I'm thinking about what I'm saying next. <laughs> like, I can't even hear the music. You know, I'm so. Yeah, focused. yeah, yeah. And, yeah, um, yeah. You know, I um, I stop dancing, Todd. <laughs> um, I do. I do more of a, our our buddy Keith Cunningham. I do more of a Keith Cunningham. You know, I I I walk slowly, try to project um, yeah. confidence, and um, I used to jump around like a maniac, and yeah. um, and I'm sort of trying a different approach to it right now. I mean, I still have high energy. Still, you know, it's still high energy. No question about it. I run on the stage. I do laps sometimes. I, you know, run and point to a point to someone. I run out into the audience, do all that. But dancing, kind of toning that down recently. <laughs> know. It's, it's different. Now, David, your career, if I'm correct, like went crazy, took off when you started dropping uh, books. Oh, yeah. And like, what is the acceleration that books have provided in your career for somebody who's, you know, getting started and looking for a North Star to follow? How impactful were books for your next level growth breakthrough? So a little bit of background prior to that, I was a corporate guy for about 15 years. I was a vice president of marketing or marketing director for several different publicly traded companies. I was based in Asia for 10 years. Uh, here in the U.S. for five or six years, and um, and and when that part of my career ended, because the last company I worked for, Thomson Reuters, fired me in a horrible job market, 2001, um, I decided to go out on my own, 23, 22 years ago, and uh, at first I was doing consulting, which is hard work. Anyone who's a consultant knows it's hard work. You have a work product to deliver. And then I started to write books and oh my gosh, it was crazy magical because um, uh, the third book I wrote, The New Rules of Marketing and PR, hit it big. 
Um, just like your book hit the Wall Street Journal uh, bestseller list, my book hit the Business Week bestseller list six months in a row. Um, wow, it's uh, uh, yeah, it's uh, sold 450,000 copies so far in English. It's in 29 other languages. Uh, it's currently in an eighth edition. That was back in 2007 that it hit big. And that opened up unbelievable doors for me. Um, I, I was invited to meetings with CEOs of Fortune 10 size companies. I had a meeting with the CEO of General Motors. I was invited to um, the palace of the um, president of the Dominican Republic to have dinner with him. I mean, um, my speaking fee went from a, a, a humble, we'll, we will pay for your, uh, your airfare to, um, you know, to mid five figures. It was a remarkable thing that happened with um, these books. And then uh, I kept churning them out. And I, I mean, 13, 12, 12 books is, is, not what everyone needs to do, but for me, that's what I've been doing. And, you know, but one book, your first book um, is a really great opportunity to um, uh, to to have, a, in a sense, a calling card or advertising, but you get paid for it. Not only is this driving inbound business, people who want to hire you, people who want to work with your company if you're a CEO of, a, of an entrepreneurial business, people who want to ask you to speak or people who want you to go on to CNN or MSNBC or Fox or whatever television network. Not only are you getting those opportunities from a book, but every time someone buys it, you get paid. <laughs> right. It's um, it's kind of like a secret weapon. Um, and I And I can't say enough for how valuable a tool something like that is. And even if you don't hit the bestseller list, even if you're not selling 10,000 copies a month, month in, month out, it's still unbelievably valuable because for most businesses, and I've, I've talked with hundreds of people about their first business book. I happen to also be on the board of directors of Forbes Books, um, and I've worked with a number of different publishers and a number of different authors coaching them on their first books, have a number of these discussions. Um, and even if your book is not an incredible success, it's still going to help you immensely because the vast majority of your competition don't have a book. And if and I remember when I my first book came out and I was still a consultant, I, uh, I walked into a, a business meeting and I said, hey, um, you know, I'd love to work with you. I'd love to have your business. Here's my book. And they said, we want to hire you because the other consultants don't have books. You're obviously must be better because you've written a book. It's an unfair advantage. It truly is. Uh, I can't say well, enough about how, how valuable it is. People, when, uh, when two businesses or uh, two consultants are being evaluated, at the end of the day, the, the one that will win more often than not will be the one that is considered the industry expert. And the way that people Correct. determine that is if they have a book, right? Yeah, that's absolutely right. And it's especially true today with a physical hardcover, typically hardcover, but can be soft cover, but a physical book. Um, because now it's so easy to create online content. And, and there's nothing wrong on, on online content's great. You should have a great website. You should be on LinkedIn and other social networks. That's important. But because it's so easy now to be online, uh, you need more. And that more is something you can uh, physically pick up and touch and hold in your hands. And, you know, it's like, oh, wow, you know, and it's a solid, 
thing that shows that you're the expert in your in your uh, chosen field. And when you're close to closing a deal with somebody, do you ever just drop a book in the mail as oh like yeah a way oh, yeah. to get them into the in you be them into your fandom? Then they receive the book, and before they know it, they're like already getting sucked into your world about how you can impact them. I do all the time. I send books out all the time, and um, and 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 if you have just one book, great, send it out. Um, I I will choose a book based on who that person is, and I've got a number of different uh, options for a book to send out. Um, I wrote a book called Fanocracy, is about how to grow fans of a business. Can send that to anybody. If I know they're a Grateful Dead fan, of course they're going to get marketing lessons from the Grateful Dead. Uh, if they're a fan of the Apollo Lunar Program, I wrote a book called Marketing the Moon that was actually um, uh, turned into a movie, which was super cool. Um, so, it, you know, I've, I've got all kinds of different options to, to send to people. But having that physical package arrive in the mail, autographed copy of the book, cover note from me, um, people remember that. People absolutely remember that. And like you said, Todd, um, you stand out. Um, compared to the other person or the other people that um, they may be evaluating for a similar project. David Meerman Scott, you just hit the nail on the head that your whole entire career seems to revolve around, which is specializing in standing out from <laughs> the others, like newsjacking, all standing out, right? How to grab yeah. a news story that is in your zone of influence and steal that story and transform it into something that allows you to be the the lightning rod of the whole topic right i mean right and then, right uh, like all of these are how we end up owning our niche in in, in our space right absolutely 100 percent. yeah news, news jacking is basically you follow the news and then if there's a news story that breaks in a topic that you um, understand that you're an expert in you create content about that instantly uh, maybe on a blog or maybe on a LinkedIn, your LinkedIn um, page or uh, or perhaps um, deliver a talk or do a YouTube video, whatever it might be. And then you have an opportunity to generate interest because you are the expert in um, that topic, presenting content in a timely manner. But I think you're right, Todd. It's a good way to think about it is um, is there are a number of different ways and strategies and techniques and ideas that you can use to generate to get to get noticed, generate attention. And, and, and most of them are free or nearly free. And it's way, 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 way better and way more cost effective than what most people do, which is traditional advertising, spending money to generate attention. I'd rather generate attention for free or nearly free than, than spend lots of money to generate attention. You know, David, as you're talking about newsjacking, it makes me realize that the people that are going through my mastermind right now, which is all about how to use video to sell faster, and I nice. teach social media and using video on social and, to and video in your sales process could all benefit from a newsjacking exercise where that week all they should do is look for a news story that they can hijack yeah. and then create 100%. a video about it, right? Um, Absolutely. So and, and put that out. The faster, the better. Put that out right away. It's amazing how that might generate attention, like way more than you ever thought. You know, hundreds of thousands of views are, are the potential, millions even, are the potential for the right um, video at the right moment. So when, um, what is, 
is the right angle for somebody that wants to newsjack a story by uh, adding their expert insight and what this story really means? Is that like the foolproof, foolproof way to do it? Yeah, <laughs> excuse me. Yeah, it's just about um, you. Um, you're the expert. You are um, someone who understands this particular topic. So for, let me give you an example, Todd. You're, you're an expert in video. You, you, know, you, you have taught me a lot of things about how to use video. Imagine that um, the, 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 the Republican candidates have their debate. It's coming up in a couple of weeks, I think. And imagine that, that, that there's a, um, one of the candidates has a real issue and makes a big, big mistake in she front of the video won. camera. Yeah, yeah right, right. Um, if you, that evening, jump onto your, um, create a video, put it out onto YouTube or whatever other channels you want to, and provide advice for how that candidate could have done better, that might be then picked up by the news um, outlets who are writing that story and broadcasting that story. And they may say, hey, um, did you see the debate last night? You know, maybe the next morning on, on um, one of the news programs, you see the debate last night. Did you see what that candidate did? Well, that, was a, that was a big mistake. And, and um, Todd Hartley just did this great video and he shared what, he, what that candidate should have done. And then they actually might even play some of your video. The thing is that you've got to be fast. You know, an hour from now is too late. Tomorrow is too late. You've got to be fast on these kinds what, of things. What I love about this is right behind him is a surfboard. Let's use the analogy of David and I both grew up surfing. So when a wave is building, you've got to paddle in front of it yes. in order to catch the publicity and the awareness and the excitement. If you're too late, the wave has already passed. So Correct. make sure you take David's advice you recognize this is your moment, create a valuable piece of content where you can show off your insider information and then paddle out into the water and let that wave take your piece of content beautifully to the shore. Great way to look at it. Here's another, another way to look at it is um, so many people that I see are trying to generate attention by basically shouting when they're ready. Oh, I've got a new product. Pay attention to me. Oh, um, I need new clients. Pay attention to me. Um, my products are on sale this week. Pay attention to me. Those are all ways that organizations, and it's really difficult to break through, are saying, pay attention to me because it's important to me. Newsjacking turns that completely around. And when the market is ready and looking for someone just like you, that's when you create the content. That's when people are receptive. That's when they're looking for exactly your expertise. Which also means be on the lookout, like know your industry. And as you see something hot happening, like if you happen to be somebody that created submarines last week would have been your week exactly when, right when that submarine blew up or whatever happened underneath the titanic so just know when your moment happens seize it and don't sit back because it's golden for a moment and then it disappears i i, I was actually thinking about the um the titan's uh, submersible yeah. issue and i was thinking to myself that you know 
so many people could have commented. Somebody could comment on how how long can the, the human brain last with um, with the, the amount of oxygen that was carried. I mean, so many different things that yes. could be could have been talked about. And there were people who were quoted in the media um, uh, that um, were uh, were various experts on the topic. But like Former you said, sub captains. Exactly, exactly right. And um, but that moment lasted how long? Two days and gone. That's gone now. It doesn't matter. We don't care that you're a sub-captain today. We only cared in the moment that, 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 that the, the, I think it was two days when they knew that there was a problem, but before they um, admitted that, um, that all hope was lost. That two-day period, that was the only period of time that you could have done that. Yeah. For the remainder of human history, we don't care about your expertise. <laughs> we only cared in that particular two-day moment. Yes, we thank you for your service. But from a news... Thank you very much, but I don't care that you are a sub-captain. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. That's, that's really um, an interesting dynamic at play. I want to ask you um, about AI. And AI is a big thing. It's coming up yep. in the election. It's coming up in... Uh, in marketing and how we remain human. And something tells me that David Meerman Scott has a very interesting, and as a book writer, like what's the, do we take these things, um, should people that are interested in writing books be using chat GPT to help them crank out sections? Um, so, um, I could talk about this for a full day if you wanted to, or three days if you wanted to. I've been writing, uh, researching and writing a lot about AI. Um, I'm an advisor on um, four or five different AI companies. I'm an investor in several AI companies. Um, I'm on um, uh, work with the Marketing AI Institute. I mean, I know I know a bit about this stuff and have been thinking about it very, very hard and long. Um, first of all, do not. Uh, and I underscore do not write a book with ChatGPT being the, 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 the thing that creates and cranks out the book for you. Um, it's, you cannot copyright that, um, number one. Um, and number two, um, it might have errors. You know, a lot of it does. And, um, uh, and, and it's just not going to put the best content for you out there. However, um, there's a lot of things that AI can help you with. Um, AI can help you to brainstorm ideas. AI can help you um, to perhaps uh, put your ideas into um, a coherent order. Um, AI, uh, I use almost every blog post I write. I, I, write, I write it myself, you know, and then I'll take a copy and paste it into ChatGPT and I'll ask it to generate headlines. I'm not very good at writing headlines for my blog posts. I'm pretty good at writing blog posts, but not so good at writing head headlines. And ChatGPT will come up with headlines. That's great. That's a super great way of, uh, of using AI. The way to think about it is that the content needs to be yours, but AI can be a helpful tool to help you to make your own content that much better. Okay, beautiful. That's so important for people. I use it to help me brainstorm. Like, Great. I'll ask, like, what are the, uh, like, I'm working on a course right now, which is how to get comfortable on camera. And mm. I asked it, what are the top reasons 
that people are uncomfortable getting on camera. And it gave me a list of like five, six, seven. And then I was like, they just saved me the brainstorm time. And I think yeah, of right. what else did they miss? And maybe I add two more. And, um, and then I fill in the rest of the details. But I think it's a great place for what you mentioned, headlines. And um, even if you're going to be brainstorming, it's super easy. And when I think of, of um, I want to go back to something we discussed earlier. When, let me let me just jump in yes, real quickly. You you could have used um, ChatGPT, and um, it, the, it's called the prompt. Prompt is what you enter into ChatGPT. The more detailed the prompt, the better the result. Imagine um, you could have created a prompt two hours ago, just before we started to talk, that said, "You are the host of a podcast for entrepreneurs." Your next guest is David Meerman Scott. Please suggest 20 questions that you could that you could ask David um, to get him to speak about successful marketing during the podcast. And ChatGPT could crank out 20 questions. You know, I've got, I don't know, 150,000 hits or something crazy like that. Um, on my name on Google. So there's tons and tons of material for ChatGPT to draw from. Um, so that's a great use of ChatGPT. And when you're, what you described, great use of ChatGPT. I just want people to be very, very wary of having it do the work of creating the content. Yeah, that makes good sense. And I, I love how you uh, pinpointed that area. I learned something from David before going on stage and I, um, I've, since I was a little kid, man, I've always studied speakers. Uh, and yeah. it didn't matter if I was in class, it was probably the only way I could pay attention. And huh. then when I became a reporter, I would go to big events only to watch the speakers. I would even sometimes not even cover the event, but I'd be there to learn from the speakers. And I watched you step on stage at Tony's and you referenced what Tony said and then referenced a speaker that just left the stage. And I was like, damn, that's good. So then <laughs> I referenced something about persona groups that you referenced. Yes, thank you for that. every other speaker. And then I'm, I come on later on in the event. So David's normally like day two, day three. I'm like day three or day four. And now I'm previewing, you know I'm previewing you, right, Todd? Because I'm saying, oh, we wait, there's a lot more about video coming up on day four with Todd Hartley, wait, can't wait. You should, you should make sure you're here for that part. I do, because when you do that, my phone blows up. <laughs> like people nice. are like, oh my God, I didn't know you were here today, like that kind of stuff. And then, awesome. um, and then when I get off the stage, I always get thanked by the event planner because I'm like threading the needle through the event. Yeah. And most right. people, you do it really well, I learned it from you, but most people just show up, do their thing. And, and then they leave. The audience. And then they <laughs> yeah. leave. No, that's right. That's right. I think that's right. And that's the other thing that's interesting. Then they leave. So many speakers in their contract, they get hired to come and do a one hour talk. At the end, they're in the car 15 minutes after they step off the stage. They're going back to the airport. Um, I know you do this as well. I, I try to stick around. I try to uh, have an I'll opportunity go to, to the airport. <laughs> meet people, you know, meet yeah. people and, 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 and say hello and maybe have lunch or, you know, depending on what kind of event it is, if they have a, a lunch or a dinner or a cocktail reception, I want to be there and, 
and have an opportunity to, 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 to interact with people. Well, that's part of the charm of going to an epic event is being able to rub elbows with the speakers and learn and ask specific questions to them. And as a speaker, it's also such a golden opportunity to meet people like you and I both really genuinely yeah. like people. Yeah, yeah. And I don't, I'm not sure I'm going to like the people sitting next to me on the airplane, but the people at the event, I know I'm going <laughs> to like. <laughs> there you go. And perfect. Well, he's David Meerman Scott. There's a ton that you guys can learn from him. As you can tell, we covered the topics of books and publishing. He coaches, he finds some, some, um, people that have remarkable messages that need to get out to the world and he coaches and nurtures them. By the way, David, I did this. I had a coach with my book and without that, excellent, I would have been lost. Excellent. And, um, yeah, no, it's good. I, I, and like I, like, you know, I, I've been coaching people on their first business book now for a number of years, a bunch of different people. So um, um, I can't say enough about writing a business book, um, a topic we covered earlier. How long does it typically take, David, if somebody's got a... Uh, how long did how long did it take you, Todd? I'm, Just I'm curious. I'm embarrassed to tell you, I think it took me three and a half to four years. Yeah. Um, if somebody has has um, an, a, a, the basics of an idea and they're committed and they're able to carve out a few hours a week, it can be done in a year. The, the, the manuscript and then the process of publishing the book can take anywhere from six months to a year after that. Um, so we're in as we're recording this, it's mid 2013 if you really 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 crank um your first book will be out um in bookstores ready to hand to your mother ready to deliver to your potential clients and by the way don't underestimate handing it to your mother um that uh, uh at the end of 2015 2025 i mean 2025 i'm sorry yeah yeah that's okay i mean i know it's a little jaw dropping for people but it's a big process. It'll change your life like it did for this man. For change your life. More, for more and, and it's so important. It'll be, um, it'll be, um, uh, I always tell people, this is such an important project. The title of your book will be in your obituary a hundred years from now, whenever you, yes. you your oh, obituary comes that's out. That's such a good point. Like when I was naming my book, Accelerating Yes, what I was really doing was I wanted to hear the book said out loud. What is the name that you want to step out on stage to or every interview that you're interesting? Doing your yeah, so I spent a lot of time thinking about what is the core message that I want yeah. to make sure that people think of when they think of me. If you want to meet David and I in person business mastery in August. Great event. Yeah. yeah, it is um, August 16th through the 20th. It's in West Palm Beach and it'll be spectacular, it'll change your life and you'll get an opportunity to meet both of us. DavidMeermanScott.com is where you go. That's DavidMeermanScott.com. David, thank you for joining me again on the Toddcast, my man. Thank you, Todd. Looking forward to seeing you uh, in a couple of months. Yeah, always fun. David, thanks so much. Yo, that was a powerful episode. And from what we just learned, it should be obvious how you can now implement these lessons in your life to get to the next level. Now, before you bounce, I just have three quick thoughts. First, thank you for taking me on your incredible life journey. Second, if you receive some value from me and you want to pay it forward, 
it would mean the world to me if you left an honest rating and review at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. I'd be incredibly grateful. And lastly, if you share this episode, whether it be a screenshot or a photo from where you're listening, anything via Instagram stories or LinkedIn, Facebook, or any of the social media sites, just tag me and the guest. I'll repost your content and I'll reply back in the comments because I love mixing it up. In fact, I'd love to share your shout outs in my feed too. Not only are these shout outs really good for you and for me, but they also help us book more amazing guests because they'll be able to see the reach that you're helping to cultivate. This is a way for you to help contribute to the show. So thank you again for listening. And I look forward to earning a regular spot inside that ear of yours. Let's grow.